Welcome to Channel Journeys, the podcast for channel professionals that will enable and inspire you to create your best channel journey ever. Meet and learn from channel experts who share authentic stories of their channel victories, defeats, and lessons learned along the way. Here's your host, Rob Speed, a channel chief on a never-ending quest for channel knowledge and adventure. Hello, Channel Pros. Welcome back to Channel Journeys. This is your host and Channel Chief, Rob Spee. February 2022 is in the books, and soon we're going to be wrapping up Q1. Time is going by way too quickly. On the plus side, though, the weather is warming up here in Georgia. I won't have many more days of cycling in 30 degrees weather. That's Fahrenheit, 30 degrees Fahrenheit. I'd be happy in 30 degrees Celsius. My fingers and toes aren't so happy, though, when it's zero degrees Celsius out there. So On that front, I'm very happy that things are progressing into spring. Whatever the temperature, whatever you're doing, thank you for listening to Channel Journeys. I hope you are enjoying hearing from channel experts and channel pros who are facing really the same challenges that you are facing. One of the challenges we all face is having the right systems and automation tools. You can't run an efficient partner business without an efficient and powerful partner management system. Allbound is the maker of a world-leading partner portal that vendors rely on to manage their partner ecosystem. Allbound's really fast and easy to set up to manage your ecosystem, whether it's dealers, distributors, VARs, agents, OEMs, ISVs, even system integrators. Their user interface makes it easy on partners to collaborate on co-selling and co-marketing. They've got great content management and learning management in their system. And they have best-in-class reviews for user experience, ease of use, and customer support. So check them out at allbound.com. Today's guest, Carolyn April, she has spent 12 years at CompTIA, the Computing Technology Industry Association, in case you haven't heard of them. It's a nonprofit trade organization that provides education, training, and certifications. And they also provide market research, which is where Carolyn sits. Carolyn is the Senior Director of Industry Analysis. Each year, she works on the IT Industry Trends Report, and this year's report has some big findings for the IT channel. Are you ready to hear the top things you need to know and what you need to build to stay relevant in the channel? Let's go. Hey, Carolyn, good morning. Welcome to the Channel Journeys podcast. How are you doing? I'm hanging in there, Rob. Nice to finally join you. I'm looking forward to uh, being a guest today. You've done some great work on this podcast. Well, thank you. And I think you're the first CompTIA member to be a, or CompTIA employee to be on this podcast. So great to have you. Oh, I feel so honored. Thank you. That's good to know. My CompTIA colleagues will be jealous, but um, hopefully it is, uh, I can pave the way for, for some other, we've got some real smart thought leaders on our staff and I'm sure they'd love to join in the future. I can make some recommendations. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I always like to ask where during this COVID age, where are you hunkered down? Uh, <laughs> I am hunkered down literally with COVID in New Hampshire. So uh, I share that uh, fun fact with your audience out there. Yeah, I'm up in New Hampshire. I live a little bit north of the city of Boston and been nestled up here for about 25 years now. So just staring out the window at the snow. Yeah, you guys just got dumped. How much did you get up there? You know, they overhyped it a little bit. I mean, we got, for us, we're used to getting big storms. So, and you know, the weather, the media weather machine up here is out of control, but we were supposed to, they were predicting about two feet. I'd say we got more like 10 inches, maybe. Only 10 inches. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. It wasn't too bad. It was light, fluffy snow too. So the easier to shovel. Well, at least you have a pretty scene while you're, you're closed in there. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely pretty. And uh, you, yeah, we can look outdoors and the snow has not. I live kind of tucked back from any road. 
so the dirt that gets on the snow from cars going by doesn't happen right around where I live. So I get to enjoy the white for a little while. It's kind of pretty. Yeah, as long as it will last. Well, for those of the, there probably are a few listeners, believe it or not, that haven't heard of CompTIA. Can you just share what your organization does? You guys have been around for quite a while and doing a lot of important things for the channel. Yeah, we are the the largest association. So we're a nonprofit association that's really dedicated to the technology industry and people who work in technology uh, would be the best way to put it. So it isn't just industry specific, but it's uh, for all of those folks out there who work in technology jobs. We, you probably, if you do know CompTIA or vaguely heard of it, know it best for the certifications that we do. So think about something like A plus or Network Plus, the types of job certifications that those who get into technology professions may try to attain, which will help them move up the ladder. Um, so that's that's probably what we are best known for, and we are global. We're also a membership driven association. So for many of your listeners who are in the channel world, the 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 channel and the vendors who serve the channel make up a huge part of our membership organization. So. Uh, we do live events every year. ChannelCon would be our largest event that happens in August every year. And that is just pretty much uh, the big meet and greet for anyone who's anyone in uh, today's IT channel. Do you know if that will be live this year? It is going to be live this year. So we have had two successive years of uh, virtual, which were great. We did, you know, pulled it off successfully, as did a lot of companies. I'll give a lot of uh, kudos to companies who had to pivot quickly to virtual events, but we're super excited this year to uh, be able to be doing this live again. It's going to be in Chicago in uh, the first week of August. I don't have the dates right off the top of my head, but I know they're drumming up recruitment right now for to register members, attendees. So if you're if you're interested, go to the CompTIA website. You can find everything you need to know. Well, that's a good time to go to Chicago, much, much better than January. I know. Yes. CompTIA is based in the Chicago area and we do do a lot in Chicago, but it tends, we do have one annual meeting that's coming up, but it's in March or April. It's still chilly then. So August in Chicago is not bad. It's quite pleasant, actually. Yeah, excellent. Very good. And so one of the things you guys do are various reports and you've done an industry trends report. Is that something you do every year? It is. Uh, we have done the industry trends report, I believe, since 20, it's going back to maybe 2011, 2012 was the first one. And it is an annual thing. It's our kind of stamp on what's next for the coming year and what you need to t- try to put our finger on the pulse of how companies and individuals in the tech uh, stratosphere are feeling about both their individual business or job and also the industry as a whole. And then we also come up with some trends that we try to put out there, just like a lot of other pundit organizations do, trends for the coming year and what we're seeing as either things that are going to be, should be on your list of things to pay attention to or already, but you should pay more attention to in the year ahead. Well, I saw you, you made a post, I think it was on LinkedIn about the report and I I jumped to it and thought it was really interesting and wanted to get you on the show to dive into it and share a bit more about the, the report and what you found with our listeners. So the survey itself, who was surveyed? Was it geared towards the partners or the vendors or customers or a little bit of everything? Yeah, we field two surveys each year. One is fielded to IT professionals. So we're talking end users. So the technology professionals within any organization, they don't have to work in IT, they can work in manufacturing or retail, whatever job uh, industry they happen to be in. And then the other survey goes out to 
those in the industry. So it is the most of the respondents are from the channel. So solution providers, MSPs, every iteration thereof. Vendors also are able to, to respond to this survey as well as distributors. But and I can segment, you know, we can segment if, you know, if needed for anybody's data purposes, if they want to only see the way vendors responded, you can see that if you want to only see how MSPs responded, you can see that. But the, the, in the main, the best way to describe it is one survey to IT pros, one survey to the channel. And then do you blend that into the 22 trends report? Yeah, the way the p- report is broken down is we sort of come up with one main theme. This year's theme is a return to strategy. We saw that thread happening in both the groups that we surveyed is that channel firms are ready to start thinking um, progressively again about their businesses. They may have put a uh, put the brakes on spending or advancing in certain areas during this last two years of, of craziness that we've had, but they're looking ahead to 2022 as a return to getting back to some of the things like digital transformation and getting into emerging tech that may have been in the works for them in 2020 and then everything ground to a halt. Same goes for IT professionals on their side. There are projects that they, you know, that they put on the back burner that they're now starting again. So we try to find commonalities to answer your question between the two groups. Then we discuss the trends and so the way the trends are broken down. There's 10 of them. Five are really very channel specific and come from thoughts that we have about what's going on in that part of the ecosystem. And then the other five trends tend to focus more on what's going on in the IT professional side. So there's an e- even breakdown there. And then there is a write-up in the in the um, in the report, one section of narrative that is devoted entirely to the IT pro results, and one section that's devoted entirely to the channel results. One of the first things that jumped out at me, Carolyn, was just from the beginning, stating that there's a 5.3 trillion dollar global technology industry, and I've I've heard different numbers thrown out there, but that that is just very impressive. The size of our industry. Yeah, it's pretty stunning, isn't it? I was looking it up for, I don't know why I needed this data point before, but it is 5.33 trillion to put it in perspective is if you combine the GDP or the economies of the UK and Italy, it used to be the UK and France, but that that's eclipsed to the 5.3 tri- trillion when you add it together. But the UK and Italy together is less and 5.3 trillion, their entire country's GDP. So it's a big number. And it's it, it went down in the last two years because of the pandemic, obviously. And 5.3 is a return to form, actually. And we expect by the end of next year, hopefully that number is even going to move up. Interesting. And did you have a number of how much of that is going through the channel? That's always the million dollar question, right? I get asked all the time, you know, that changes. I mean, at one point, for a long time, we always said, you know, that the number, the percentage of goods and services going through the channel on a technology front is about three quarters or 75%. That's gone down. We estimate, and again, this is a combination of CompTIA estimates based on data that we have and mixing and matching that with all the other analyst firms that are out there. But Right now, today, and again, this is ballpark, it is not set in stone, but it's around probably more like 60 to 64% goes through the channel. A lot of that is predicated on, um, you know, what's going on with cloud computing, the ability for customers to really do a lot of self-procurement of uh, as-a-service type applications and other things that they're able to get those themselves, right, over the internet. It doesn't mean that the channel isn't then providing a ton of services around those direct transactions that the customers are doing themselves. But it does skew that number when you say um, how much goes through the channel specifically. Well, kind of high level survey and report, were there, was there anything that surprised you, you know, from the results that you got? That's a good question. 
the level of optimism, quite frankly, sort of surprised me. I was expecting a little bit more of a deflated attitude because it's been such a rough couple of years. And I was, especially on the channel side, I was really, you know, it was really heartened to see that most companies when asked, you know, how are you feeling about the year ahead? How did, you know, regardless of whether their company really limped to the finish line here in 2021, they were still feeling real positive about the year ahead. And that could be wishful thinking, could be, you know, but but regardless, I think it's good news for the channel that people didn't, you know, throw in the towel, so to speak. Yeah, uh, which is good news. We saw the same on the IT pro side, I will mention, is that one of the areas where IT pros are really feeling pretty bullish is that they feel like they have, from a job opportunity standpoint, so many more options right now. Yeah, they're they're feeling like the level of skills in all different areas, whether that's in the data area, the security area, even basic infrastructure, et cetera, has expanded so much that the days where they had the opportunity, you know, their, you know, possibilities for job roles may have been, you know, four or five, you know, adherent to their skill set might now be 10. And they're feeling pretty positive about that choice, I guess would be a good way to put it. Right, right. Well, yeah, and for any of us trying to fill roles, technical roles, it's it's tough. It's hard to find people right now. Yeah, that's one of the things we definitely explored in the report is that's going to be a continued challenge point for channel companies and vendors. It's just it's been an issue for a very long time and right now it has really come to a uh, to a flashpoint, I think, in, in terms of severity. And it's twofold. It's that, you know, there are so many more skills and the tech industry has just gotten so complex. So it's hard to find the right people. And you've got to look under, you know, in in every corner uh, for somebody who has the right skill set that you're looking for. And also, you know, it is a employee's market right now. So people can be picky as you you can't avoid the headlines, right? Every day, people are quitting their jobs en masse, you know, and uh, and so there's that to contend with. So you've got the macro and ec- economic things going on. And then you've got the things very specific to our industry around this explosion of skills needs. Yeah, for sure. Let's jump into some of those trends. You mentioned there are 10 key trends. Are there some that stand out for the channel that you, you'd like to highlight? Yeah, I mean, I kind of put the trend in a series of buckets here. You know, there's some macroeconomic trends that affect both, you know, both the channel and they affect IT professionals as well. We talked a lot about how the the world of work is changing, you know, with with the move to remote work and 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 that's very important. Um and I don't think that's going to change um in the future. In, in fact, I think it is changed and will stay that way in terms of the way the people approach the workforce and where they work. And I think it's going to be hybrid going forward. But if you want specifics to the channel, I think a couple of things stand out. You talked initially here about, you know, how much of the tech spend is going through the channel. And I noted that the the percentage has gone down over the years and largely because there's been um, there's been a lot more self-procurement on the part of, of customers. You now have a lot of line of business buyers out there, in a, you know, end user organizations who, you know, are in a marketing role or they're the head of HR and they're provisioning, you know, SaaS applications for the departments on their own. And they may, may or may not be consulting their IT department with that. And that can be a real concern for for the channel that's used to being, you know, the go-to for that type of transaction and they no longer are and they may feel like okay, so where do I fit in now? And one of the trends that we talk about in the outlook is the move toward consulting and how important that's going to be for a lot of channel companies. There's going to be a lot of dollars in that. So, if you are becoming or feeling like you're becoming removed from the 
tech transaction itself, where you need to insert yourself is both before that transaction, perhaps during and then after in a consulting role. More than ever today, line of business buyers in particular are looking for help from technology experts when it comes to how to run their businesses better. So if you've got people on staff as a channel provider who knows how to talk the word, talk the language of business with your potential customers, provide that consulting work that helps them figure out what the best fit is. Because just because, if you think about it, just because this director of marketing can procure something on their own doesn't mean they know what they should buy. And that's a big issue. And they're also looking at, say, an online marketplace like an Amazon or a Google that has a hundred apps that look like they fit the search that this VP of marketing just made for a type of application they want to run a campaign in their in in their department. And how do they go about choosing from that hundred? And I always tell some channel companies, a really good thing for you to do is you vet those hundred applications and then you present the fine dining menu of just five to your customers so that they don't get overwhelmed by the chain restaurant version of the menu, which is 10 pages long and they can't figure out what to pick. And so you've winnowed it down for them based on your expertise. And that provides a lot of value. And so yes, you didn't exchange goods and services goods with them, but you are exchanging a service for value and you can typically charge more for those types of services. So consulting is going to be a trend. We've seen it already happening and it's going to be one that's going to be continuing pretty uh, strongly in the years ahead. I had uh, just recently a, a guest and we were talking about partner innovation. This was with, with Carl Farback and talking about partners developing IP. You know, So they're trying to develop their own targeted solutions based on one or multiple vendors solutions. Is that something that, that stood out as well in the trends report? Yeah, um, we've actually been following that for some time now. And there are partners who are doing it. It's interesting. You have to define what you mean by that uh, IP. It's very different for what partners might be doing versus what you typically think of as a, you know, a technology manufacturer developing something and getting a patent for it. And, and, and it's, it's not entirely the same. You can wrap the moniker of IP for a channel company around a lot of different things. It could be a process that you use for, say, an MSP has a very specific, unique process for how they onboard and deal with new customers. They can make that their own IP, and that's a replicatable thing that they use with every single customer. There are channel companies that are diving pretty deeply these days, and they didn't used to, into application development. And I don't know if you spoke with with your former guest about that, because app dev and, and doing sort of little pieces of code that you can then replicate uh, for various purposes, that becomes a piece of channel IP. And we're seeing that increasingly. So one of the, the things that we look at with this study and with other studies that we do during the year is, you know, what types of solution areas are you in? And application development and coding were, was always been near the bottom. It's never been the, you know, the wheelhouse of most resellers and channel companies who kind of grew out of a hardware tradition, right? And then they move into, and they're still pretty steeped in infrastructure and security. And year after year, we're seeing app dev and software coding and anything along those lines, data analytics, I'll put into that bucket as well, have slowly but surely been creeping up the list at ranking of the things that channel companies are doing. Yeah, and there's part of the report was talking about plans for solutions and service offerings. And, and I think the top response was around mostly extending existing products and services, right? Yes, I think. What does that tell us? 
Well, I think that tells us we just came off uh, a real crazy ride of two years where a lot of companies, some companies, you know, didn't make it. We need to note that the companies that did make it, many of them were treading water. And what we found is what they did is double down on serving their existing customers and trying to make sure they didn't lose those customers. So they spent the last two years trying to do whatever they could to hold on to the customers that they had. When we asked them, what are you going to do this year? Many of them are now reinvesting in in finding new customers. So the hunt is back on on the sales side of things. But they also are going to be spending, because they're being cautiously optimistic, spending a lot of time uh, working with the customers they already have and then who are already using solutions that they've sold them and trying to sell and cross-sell and upsell them around those specific solutions. So you know, expanding on what you already do is a good way to ease back into then moving into bigger things. And I think that's the way they're viewing 2022 and how I would interpret that data point. I noticed uh, you had some trends too from a cybersecurity perspective. Is that the, the only solution area that you really focused on in the trends report? Deeply, yes. That was the one that we focused on. We did it for, we focused on it with respect to IT pros and the channel. On the IT pro side, the big focus was on a shift to proactive security. A lot of professionals are moving into proactive security in addition to perimeter security. And I I won't belabor all that was the focus on the IT pro side. Channel side, you know, cybersecurity is an interesting one. It is a, it is an area that every channel company needs to have some level of understanding. And if you don't, you, you know, you are going to be competitively at a disadvantage in the marketplace. And it, you know, it doesn't matter. So, you know, whatever it is that you sell primarily, you know, say you are in the software business or you're in, you know, you name it, I do networking. You can't go to a customer to talk about your primary line of business and not have a security discussion that goes along with that. And uh, this goes to people who are primarily consulting as well, because security is kind of an umbrella that goes over everything is affected by it. And what was really disheartening to find with this study is there is a chunk, almost 24% of channel companies that will are claiming that they're not where they want to be with cybersecurity today, and some who have not even started down their strategy path. I was shocked by that, frankly. I mean, I don't know how you can get away with that because customers are savvy today. Customers who may be the most technically illiterate out there still can't avoid seeing headlines about data breaches and other types of cybersecurity concerns. Um, you can't miss those. They're everywhere. And so, of course, that co- I can't imagine those conversations don't come up automatically when you're trying to deal with a potential buyer. Um, so to not have that in your arsenal is, like I said, is a real disadvantage going into the marketplace. So we spent a lot of time at CompTIA uh, hammering home things about cybersecurity. We have an ISAO, and we also have certifications around security. And we really try to impress upon channel companies how important it is both to have a very tight security posture within their own organization and then be able to expand that out into every conversation that they have with customers. You don't have to be in the cybersecurity business to have to have a cybersecurity conversation with your customers. No, and that's such a great point because you think about the risks, the cybersecurity threats today and where they come from. And whether you're, you're involved in the server or the software or the endpoints or devices or whatever, the criminals, the hackers are coming in any way they can get access, assuming different identities. And, and yeah, I think no matter what you're selling as a partner, you do need to be very uh, aware of that. 
and uh, have a good story and have a good protection for your customer. Yeah, I mean, it's not easy. The number one reason that we asked a follow-up question for those folks who said that they were not uh, where they wanted to be with their cybersecurity strategy, and we asked them why, and they said, you know, the number one reason was how difficult it was for them to keep up with the threat landscape because it changes all the time, and they feel like you take two steps forward, one step back sort of thing. And I understand that, and especially as you well know, Rob, you know, the channel, most companies are small. These are SMB, you know, companies, they don't have, you know, an army of staff that they can devote to keeping up with this at, at, at all times. So it is overwhelming. And I can understand that the resource, it's resource intensive and can be seen as just too difficult. Unfortunately, it is one of those things that you got to, you know, suck it up buttercup, I guess, because you can't, you can't ignore it. You really cannot. So a lot of our listeners are channel pros with the vendor side and, you know, building out channel organizations, building out channel programs. You list, uh, I think, 10, no, eight channel key focus areas for channel organizations. Let's dive into those. I think those would be really interesting. Okay, let's. I'm going to pull them up in front of me so I can see them while I'm chatting with you. The first one you mentioned, I'll just key it up for you, is customer experience as a competitive differentiator. Yeah, that's a big one. That's the number one focus area for channel organizations, both this year and it has been for the last couple of years. They are beginning to get the fact that we are dealing with a diverse set of customers today. And by diverse, I mean diverse in, in, in all ways, generationally, background, race, ethnicity, gender, you name it. And the way that this diverse set of customers wants to interact and communicate with you is wildly, is as diverse as they are. And so the channel has woken up to the fact that it is no longer, it is no longer sufficient to, you know, use the phone and email only to talk with your customers. Customers today want the type of omni-channel experience with their providers that they might get with their favorite consumer provider of something. So you, every, everybody remembers their best experience dealing with some provider that they have where it was easy to get something resolved or easy for you to make a purchase. And the easier it is, you're like, wow, that was, that was smooth sailing. I loved it. That's what customers are wanting from their professional providers in the B2B space. And so that's the channel buzz now. So everyone's like, so how do we get our website so it has interactivity in it and we can offer video chats and web chat support? for those customers that want that. And we can also figure out how to use social media in the most, you know, in the most effective way to communicate with our customers. And also, oh, by the way, back to our vendors as well. So all of those things are on their minds. Again, not everybody has it straight how to do it well, but that's what they're trying to figure out as we move ahead. And it will be a competitive differentiator for a lot of companies because like I said, I always compare it to the consumer world. You know which, which organizations you don't want to work with anymore when you try to call their helpline, you know? This, this is a big area that we're focused on at, at Beyond Trust and looking at, you know, who are all the different players that touch the customer on that entire customer journey? Yeah. And then how do we make sure not just ourselves, but our partners who are participating in that journey, how are they, make sure they're providing the very best experience for the customer? Yeah, it's a huge web, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and so there's, you're right, there's so many people involved and it's not something that the channel company can do in a vacuum. So to your audience, 
it's important, I think, for vendors and, uh, you know, ch- channel marketing people and, and those who are dealing doing program development uh, on the vendor side for, to understand that, you know, this is a priority and they, if there are ways that you can craft your programs and resources to help the channel get better at CX, that's going to benefit you on the back end as well. Because at the end of the day, the end customer is, is, is both the partner's customer, but, uh, but also the vendor's customer, right? So uh, good CX means happy, happy for everybody. Yes, exactly. All around. All right. What else? Okay. So moving ahead, we're going to, we're seeing the channel companies recommit if they had put the brakes on to the work they're doing around emerging technologies. That's a big group of technologies. And and I hate to group it all together because they're not all related, but it's everything from IoT to AI to VR to blockchain to, you know, it's a huge stable of things that we can talk about. And, but what's interesting about it is most of those technologies are not things you sell. They're baked in to other things. So really what I think the channel is most grappling with is being well-versed in you know, what uh, some of the solutions are around emerging technologies. For instance, you don't sell artificial intelligence, but AI might be a feature that's in something else that you do sell. And so being able to articulate that and how it's going to be a business advantage for a customer are some of the things that they're grappling with. Understanding something like Internet of Things and where you might fit in, you know, the channel has a lot of places to play with IoT. I mean, they can they can consider it simply another hardware play, which would be a very natural fit for a lot of comp- a lot of channel companies and selling and installing the IoT devices, sensors, and all of that. Or they can kick it up to the next level and be collecting the data from those sensors and helping customers with with analytics around them and providing business advice. So there's definitely a renewed commitment to getting involved there. There was a bit of a stall, admittedly, in over the last couple of years because that was an area people pulled back on on the areas they were able to and just focused on their their core mission critical stuff. Are you seeing any on the vendor side in, within a channel organization increasing interest in emerging channel technologies? You know there there are a lot of new channel technologies coming out, you know, for managing like you know, like partner automation software and things of those nature. Yeah, there's definitely interest in that. You know, you've been around long enough to know. I mean, if, if there's one giant uh, headache for a lot of channel companies, it's the multi-vendor problem, right? So, you know, they deal with a million vendors. Vendors think it's great when they build these awesome portals, but they only pertain to them. And so they forget that their port, you know, their their channel partner out there also works with 10 other vendors pretty specifically who all have these whiz-bang cool portals and automated this and that, but nothing links together. And the reality is, you know, the partners are selling solutions. They're not selling just your one point product. So what's best for them is to be able to have this kind of this view of everything. And I think that's been the holy grail for a long time is to have some neutral third party come in and, and figure out how to blend it all together without having the vendors competitive, you know, hairs raise on the back of their neck. But uh, so I think it's going to be interesting to see how some of these newer uh, M-Tech technologies that we do work in this area, like you mentioned, between the vendor and the partner are going to play out. Yeah, for sure. What are some other top ones that jump out at you? Uh, Well, we talked about consultative selling and cybersecurity. I'll focus a little bit on marketing right now because we are seeing a trend toward a slight increase in investment in marketing. And, you know, that sounds sort of ho-hum, but it really isn't because the channel's not been very good about marketing on their own. No, it's always been a bit of a black eye. 
It kind of has, right? So, you know, really good at technology. Why do you get into this world if you're not a, you know, a tech maven and love it? And most of these people who run channel firms figure out very quickly, well, we might love technology, but the only way this is going to work is if we figure out how to sell it. So they get pretty good at sales. But marketing has always been an afterthought and it's changing. And, and you know, the move to cloud computing has changed that. And the reason being that if you've been around as long as I have, back in the day, when you went to market, you really went to market as a hard, mostly as a hardware reseller. And your brand was really the hardware manufacturer that you aligned with. So when you would go knocking on a customer door, you were there saying, I'm, you know, the, I'm in the gold, platinum, you know, whatever wrong tier of IBM or Cisco's or whoever's partner program. And that's how you, your business cards had their logos on them, everything. And that was how you identified in the marketplace. That was your marketing. Today, it's very different. A lot of times the vendor product itself is abstracted from the customer. It's in the cloud. It's not something the customer's thinking about. They're thinking about whatever the, the business goal is that they have. And so you're the face to the customer and you really need to step up as a channel company and be marketing your own self, your company especially if you're an MSP. I mean, that's even more important, you know? Yeah, that's what I was thinking, MSP. Oh, yeah, C- critical for MSPs because, you know, the, everything is on the line for them. They're signing people to contracts and their reputation for managing a customer's environment, whether that environment's living in the cloud and they're managing their cloud services or doing on-prem, or is most likely the case, they're doing a bit of both, right? It's really about being able to put their name and reputation out there. So, We've been encouraged here at ComTea to see a lot of channel firms are starting to get the message. They're actually hiring some marketing professionals, which is almost unheard of. Uh, so they're, you know, they're, they're starting to see the light a little bit here. And whatever vendors can do to help them with this would be great. I think the old days of just throwing MDF money at them, are that's changing. It's helping partners today learn how to be innovative and creative with their own marketing. Same old things don't work anymore. And so I think some of that training and education is going to become more important and, and some joint marketing than, you know, some of the old ways of, of, of doing things uh, in a partner program. Yeah. Are there other ways that you think partner programs need to evolve? That's been a huge discussion area on a number of forums, you know, based on these trends and what you're seeing. Yeah, I've talked to a lot of folks about that as well. It seems like, you know, channel chiefs are really grappling with that right now. It's we are in the middle of a huge transition, I think, from, you know, the old way of doing business to the new way of doing business. And we've done studies at CompTIA and the types of if you, you know, you tick off all of the things that are in a typical partner program, right? Whether it's discount volume discounts and back end rebates and deal reg and MDF and spiffs and all the things like those things just roll off my tongue because they've always been in programs. But when we list those for partners today and say and ask them to rank what's valuable, those lists have changed dramatically. That's not what uh, in many cases, a lot of those features are not what the partner is looking for anymore. You know, they're looking for things like I just talked about, they're looking for assistance with marketing. They're looking for a, par- a vendor that's going to help them and go to market joint and joint sell with them. They want to be considered less of a sales arm extension of a vendor than as a true partner. And so that would mean things like rebates and discounts become le- they become less important than vendor working with them to actually craft some sort of compelling message to help them sell to customers. 
help them figure out things like social media and help them work on that customer experience thing. A lot of these are going to require more time and they become more customizable based on every partner. And that's tough for vendors because they want to be able to do something that's scalable and easy to push out to a lot of partners. And I'm not here to to tell you how to solve that problem because I'm not entirely sure. I'm not entirely sure. But you are 100% right that I think this is one of those issues that's being bandied about a lot in the boardrooms and conference rooms of many a channel executive today. Yeah, certainly at our company as well. You look at the, the classic programs, the, the incentives, the measurements, the tiers are all based on that transactional model. And that's really not the measurement of a great partner today. No, it isn't. You know, I think, you know, there's a lot of vendors who are starting to be much more serious about doing end customer satisfaction surveys, mm-hmm. things along those lines. But yeah, it's tricky. And it's going to depend on the type of vendor that you are. If you're already, you know, if you're in the SaaS world, for instance, what the type of partner you're trying to recruit is looking for is going to be vastly different than if you're still in the infrastructure world. You know, if you're in the infrastructure world, a lot of the classic program resources like you just talked about and incentives, some of those do still apply. But if you're really steeped in the as-a-service world that's all cloud-based, you know, we're, we're talking about radically different business models, a lot of partners who don't transact at all. So how do you incentivize them, right? You know, they are doing referrals. They might be, you know, might be doing just uh, influencing. You know, that's a category right now. So you know, they're influencing their customers. Like I told you, you know, at the outset, when we're talking about consulting, helping customers vet potential solutions, how do you, you know, how do you get those influencers on your team? And, you know, how do you influence them to influence you? You know, it's not such an easy little thing that you can carve into a program. It's, it's going to have to be creative. Yeah, Carolyn, that's exactly the challenge we're working through right now, you know, as we're modernizing our partner program to, to do what you just described. Yeah. Well, let, when you've figured it all out, Rob, let us know. <laughs> I will. I will. I'll share that with you. All right. Well, Carolyn, this has been fun. This is really interesting stuff. I, I'm curious on, on kind of your personal side. How did you end up at CompTIA in the first place? Oh, well, I've been at CompTIA now for 12 years. So so I ended up and I stayed. Yes, I've been, it's been uh, interesting. You must like it there. I do. It's a wonderful place with wonderful people. And um, I feel like we do good work here. So I'm quite happy. I'm a journalist by trade. So the beginning of my career was in traditional journalism. And then I made the switch in the 90s, late 90s to tech journalism when it was really hot. And you remember all of those very thick trade magazines. I wrote for those, yes, and worked for those for quite a number of years before I switched over to the analyst side. That was 12 years ago where they, uh, CompTIA came calling and I thought, hey, you know, I'll give it a shot. And it's like jumping the fence. So instead of being the one who interviews people, I get interviewed instead. That was a weird transition when it first happened, but I'm getting used to it. And a lot of the stuff is the same. You still do a lot of writing and a lot of speaking. So there's, you know, there's a lot of similarities between the two disciplines. But that's how I ended up here. Never would have guessed I would have been in technology, though. Let me tell you, when I started my career earlier. No, what, what were you thinking you'd, when you were getting your journalism degree? What did you think you'd go do? I was going to be, you know, the gumshoe newspaper reporter. And I did work for newspapers. And I wanted to write about politics and all of that. And I'm still very interested in all of that. And I got my, you know, but I don't know. 
friends of mine. It was, it, I just happened to be at that point where there were a lot of people I knew in the Boston area at the time who were moving to, to publications by IDC. And uh, it was just a busy, busy, heady time in the tech is- industry. And I made the leap and I didn't know anything about technology. I remember I made the leap to uh, the first magazine I went to work for and they were going to put me on like the server client beat. And I thought, what is that? Because I was li- literal. I thought server. Okay. I was a server in a restaurant client. Okay. You know, Oh yeah, it I, it was that elementary for me, but that was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> so a, a lot of folks go to CompTIA for training. Is CompTIA also something that Channel Pros might want to consider as as a, a career opportunity? Are there are there you know positions that people in the channel can jump into? You mean to work for CompTIA? Yeah. You know, we, we've always got openings, so I don't know what we've got available now. I mean, it's it's a wide range. We, uh, you know, we do do trainings. Um, I will do a, a one shameless plug here. Is I think we've got a brand new set of camp training coming out. Uh, they've refreshed it. Yeah, refreshed it for this year. I believe it's literally hot off the presses and they're starting to roll out the schedule for that. So th- I think for your audience, that's particularly close to home. So if, if anybody is interested, Rob, I can get you the information for that and you can shoot it out to your folks. But as far as working for CompTIA, I don't know, but there's there's always something open here, and you can go ahead and look on the website. I think they post the jobs there. Yeah, excellent. No, I'm I'm excited to hear you got new cam training. I'll definitely provide a link to that in the in the show notes for this. All right, excellent. Well, when you're not working in the CompTIA channel and you're not locked in your home with with COVID and snow and everything else, what do you like to do in the normal world? Oh gosh. Well, yeah, in the normal world, what is that? I'm not sure. I know it's been so long. Yeah, it has been so long. Oh, what do I like to do? Uh, I spend a lot of time at the beach in the summer. I'm sort of an ocean person. I like to uh, to do that. I ski in the winter when I can. I work out a lot. So I like to run and and I like to read. That's all really boring sounding, but th- that's it. I've got, you know, I have kids who are who are out of the nest now. So I'm at a point right now where I can start thinking about like doing other stuff too, which is kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, I like music too. I go see live music a lot. Now that's been hard. The last two years, it's been rough. Yeah. That's been shut down, you know, and so hoping that 2022 will open up more in-person concerts to go to because that'll be fun to do again. Yeah. Well, good. I hope you have a lot more beaches and skiing and concerts in your future, Carolyn. Oh, me too. And soon. All right. Great. Well, thanks again for, for coming on the show. And yeah, I hope you've broken the ice, uh, paved the way for other CompTIA members to come on and, and share your, your expertise and knowledge about the channel. I hope so too. Um, it was great, Rob. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. And uh, if, you, if I've done well, you can have me back anytime. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks so much, Carolyn. Take care. Alrighty. Bye-bye. Bye. There you go, guys. Valuable research from Carolyn that backs up a lot of what we've been talking about here on Channel Journeys. Customer experience as a competitive differentiator is really the top factor for channel relevance. That's why consulting services and partners driving business outcomes is one of the top channel opportunities and priorities for 2022 and beyond. And if you don't have a marketplace strategy, well, it's time to build one. Thank you for listening. Thanks again to our sponsor, Allbound. If you're looking for an easier way to manage your partner ecosystem, whether it's deal registration, tracking partner opportunities, giving partners an easy way to access all of your sales and marketing materials, as well as trainings and certifications. Be sure to check them out, allbound.com. For today's show notes, just go to channeljourneys.com slash CJ84. You can subscribe while you're there. 
And if you enjoyed the show, please take a few minutes to leave a rating and review on your podcast platform. I've recorded some fantastic interviews that I'll be releasing over the coming months that you don't want to miss. Until next time, have an awesome channel journey. Thanks for listening to Channel Journeys. For show notes and other Channel Journey podcasts, visit channeljourneys.com. If you liked today's show, please forward it to your channel friends. And be sure to tune in for Rob's next channel adventure.